Good morning, beloved. I'd like to invite you in the Word of God today, the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 2, please. Nehemiah, chapter number 2. While you are turning there, let me say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for the opportunity and privilege of being here with you in the beautiful city of Tucson, Arizona, in the hottest weather I've ever been in the last couple days. And uh, we're just country folk. Where I pastor, it's out in the country. You have to pass John Deere tractors and deer to get to our church, all right? And uh, it is no painted roads. Uh, it's just a country town. Uh, people call me the pastor between the pastures, amen? And uh, just out in the country. But listen, God is doing a work in the country as well as the city, amen? And all around this world, every city and place, the work of God is advancing. It's a privilege to be with you today. So thankful that my wife Isabel and our son Brian and Alyssa could be here as well. I love your pastor and Miss Shelley in a great way. I've known your pastor for over 20 years and uh, had the privilege of serving on staff with him. And uh, he has been a friend to me like none other. When I was dying of cancer in the hospital, not sure that I would live another day, every day for 21 days, Pastor Armstrong wrote me a handwritten letter, scripture, and encouraging me in the Lord. I'm going to tell you, your pastor is a pastor's pastor. I hope you'll love him, support him, encourage him, and do all you can to make his way easy and his journey strong here in Tucson, Arizona. I want to thank the choir for their amazing effort today. I have not heard music like that in a long, long time, and it was a privilege to worship with you today. Thank you to the Spanish ministry for blessing our hearts today. And if I could just say a word to our Spanish ministry, gracias por la oportunidad de predicar para ustedes hoy. Es honor que no tomo levemente. It's a privilege to stand before you today and preach the infallible and errant, inspired, preserved word of the living God. Before we come to our text today, I want to give you a little bit of foundation, a little bit of introduction. When you open the Bible, you find the book of Genesis, the creation of man. Quickly you learn about the fall and you learn about God's judgment through that creation, fall, and flood that's to come. God, you find, pulls out a people in Genesis chapter 12, a people for his name's sake. We read in Genesis to Deuteronomy how God chose a people for his name. God blessed them with his word. He blessed them with his law, the Torah. We find that man continued to disobey that law, that Torah, that word. And we find in the word of God from Joshua to 2 Chronicles that God put his people in a land and gave them a king. And you would think that with all the blessings of God that he gave to them, they would be a thriving, successful people. But Israel lost both of them when they consistently disobeyed God and his word. And there are different uh, individuals that you find that God used in a mighty way, but because of their disobedience, God took his people and sent them into captivity. This happened over three different groups or uh, exiles that we call it. The first group was Nebuchadnezzar, and you find Daniel and the three Hebrew children taken away into captivity uh, during this time. We read and understand about Jehoiachin eight years later, took uh, Ezekiel and uh, most all the rest that would be exiled away during that period. You find through uh, disagreement and through a broken treaty, we find a third exile 
that took place when the Babylonians came in and utterly destroyed Jerusalem, burned it with fire, no brick left upon brick, utterly destroyed all that was there in Jerusalem. Now, after 70 years, beloved, we find in Ezra to Esther, this third, this third grouping here, uh, after 70 years, God calls his people to go back to the promised land and to do a work for him and for his glory. During that return, God used a number of men. The one of them was Zerubbabel that came, and he mainly rebuilt the altar and rebuilt the temple. You have Ezra, who was a scribe. To be a scribe, by the way, you had to memorize the whole Torah. Can you imagine that? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. To be a scribe, you had to memorize all of that. And we find Ezra came and reinstilled worship, reinstilled and revived the worship of God's people. We find after that, Nehemiah came and he was mainly involved in building the walls that would be around the city. This was not a work just of security and safety. There was a reproach to the name of God. God's name was being reproached, and so God used Nehemiah to build these walls with the people to help remove the reproach that was upon God's people. Now, through these different individuals, God was building a great work, a, a mighty work. We find in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, just to give you some foundation for where we're going, we find in chapter 1 that God can use anybody for his glory. Anybody. Uh, in the context, you find Zerubbabel was a prince. You find Ezra was a priest and a scribe. You find in the palace that Esther was a queen. And you find Nehemiah, you know what he was? He was a nobody. You find the opening verse of Nehemiah that his daddy was Hachaliah. You know who his daddy was? His daddy was a nobody. Here you have a man that's a nobody and his daddy's a nobody, but God specializes in using nobodies for the glory of God. You might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, man, I don't have any blue blood in me. I don't have any great credentials. There's nothing maybe special about my talents and abilities. I am telling you, my friend, that if God can use a donkey to speak to Balaam, and if God can use individuals throughout Scripture that were nobodies, God can use you and I for his glory exactly where he wants you. We read that Nehemiah, you know what he was? He was a cupbearer for the king. Now, in Bible times, the preference of assassination of a king was through poison. They didn't have snipers and IEDs and bombs. They used poison as a choice weapon to take out the king. And so the king had a taste tester. The king had somebody that would taste his food, drink of his drink before he partook of it to make sure that it was safe for him to eat and drink of it. That's what Nehemiah was. He was what we would call expendable. He was what we would call an individual, a man, that if he died, it was no big deal. But something takes place in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, that Nehemiah loved God and loved his people and loved the return of God's people to build a work. The Bible says that Nehemiah in chapter 1 and 3 and 4, he heard that a remnant was greatly afflicted, reproached. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down and the gates burned with fire. And it came to pass that when he heard these words, he sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. You find a man that got burdened for the work of God. 
You find a man that wasn't content just to sit by while God's people were afflicted and suffering. You found a man that determined to put shoe leather to his faith. When we think about 65 years, you think about the blessed Johnson family that came to Tucson that my understanding was there was only about 150,000 people. But this man came here on a mission. He was passionate about building a work for God that it would continue. I submit to you that there are people here in this congregation that God wants to use you for his glory in building a good work for God. Nehemiah was burdened. He went to the king and said, King, we've got to do something about this. We cannot let this work be desolate and broken down. It, it, it's a shame that, man, we need to replace the roof and we need more uh, chariots and we need more uh, um, restrooms remodeled. There's a work that needs to be done. And Nehemiah received back from the king something that you and I probably would never hear. The king said to Nehemiah, I'll give you 12 years leave of absence totally paid. Uh, we've heard of maternity pay, but man, can you ever imagine 12 years paid leave of absence? Not only that, but the king gave him absolutely any supplies he needed. He gave him an all-expense credit card, if you will, to take care of the work of God. We find also that he received a passport that would allow him to travel. And uh, Nehemiah was sent by God on a recruiting mission to stir up the people to do a work for God and for his glory. We come to our text today. That's the foundation. That's the introduction. We come to our text today in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 18, where the word of God says, Nehemiah said, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I invite your attention to this expression in the Word of God. They strengthened their hands for this good work. And I want to speak to you just for a few minutes. I understand the time. I want to speak for a few minutes on this thought. Stay strong. Strengthen your hands, beloved, for this good work. Father, I pray you bless thy people today. I pray your face would shine upon them, that your spirit would fill us. Give us wisdom of the Word as we study it and apply it to our lives this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As a Christian, beloved, you have the opportunity to be a part of the greatest work in all the world. God has given you an opportunity to be engaged in his work in this world. I submit to you, there is no work like the work of God. There is no work like the work of seeing souls transformed from death to life. There's no work like the work of seeing people that once they were blind, but now they see. Once they were lame spiritually, but now they walk. There's no work like the work of seeing children grow up in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's no work like the work of seeing uh, children grow up in a Christian school in this evil culture in which we live. There's no work like the work of a Christian home for the glory of God. I submit to you today, Tucson Baptist Church is a good work. And there's a, an option, an opportunity for you to be involved, to stay strong in this good work. Now, how does a good work keep moving forward? Well, the text says they strengthen their hands for this good work. What does it mean to strengthen your hands? Well, by way of definition, strengthening your hands, it means to be strong, courageous, firm, resolute, prevailing, act 
effectively. The idea of strengthening your hands, beloved, is to be strong, firm, resolute, and to be actively involved in the good work of God. I want you to notice with me this morning in our text that we ought to stay strong in our heart. Stay strong in your heart. Nehemiah travels three months, and as he has these, this passport and this blank check and all this opportunity, he travels three months, and he goes right to the palace. He goes right to the governor's palace on official king business. And he goes in there thinking he's going to get a warm reception. The fact of the matter is, the Bible says in Nehemiah 2.10, that when Samballat and the Horonite and Tobiah the servant of Ammonite heard it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. We find that Nehemiah immediately as he goes to this official palace to uh, get the work going, he's met immediately with opposition. Beloved, if you're going to have a strong heart for the Lord, you're going to have to learn to have a steadfast heart. His heart was steadfast. He informs these officials in verse 10 that the work of God, these political officials, that the work of God is going to go forward, and it's immediately met with opposition. Samballot the Horonite was a, the governor of Samaria. Tobiah the servant was an Ammonite. He was of the ancestral, incest family of Lot. We find that Geshem the Arabian was from the descendant of Ishmael. And these individuals, these three men, did all they could to oppose and stop the work of God. You would think these officials, these public servants, would welcome a revitalization in their community. But instead, they were met with opposition. Nehemiah 2.19 words it this way, They laughed us to scorn, and they despised us. And said, what is this thing that ye will do? They made fun of Nehemiah. I want you to know, my friend, if you determine that you're going to stand for God and build a work for God, whether it's in your life, in your home, or your church, there will be opposition. Don't be surprised when you determine and put your foot down that as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Don't be surprised when opposition comes. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul said, A great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. He did not say, but there are many adversaries. He understood that with great opportunity comes great opposition. And I submit to you, beloved, this is a special place. This is a mighty work that God is raising up for such a time as this. There will be opposition. There will be no votes. There will be cantankerous individuals that say, you know what, I don't think that wall, I don't think that work ought to be built, ought to go forward. Peter worded this way in chapter 4, 1 Peter. He said, don't think it's strange when fiery trials should try you as some strange thing happened. We understand, beloved, that we must be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Sixty-five years has not been roses and lilies in a stroll on the beach. It has been met with opposition and difficulty and, and tragedy, but God's grace is sufficient, and by God's help, I pray that you'll rise up and build continually the work that God has called you to do. 
His heart was not only steadfast, but notice his heart was stirred. The Bible says in verse number 11 that he came to Jerusalem, he rested three days, and then he took a survey trip around the walls. He says here, I neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. His heart began to be stirred by what he saw. Just being here for a few days in Tucson, my heart stirred for y'all. Just seeing different people on the street that me and my children have observed that appear, appear to be on drugs. The need around you, beloved, is greater now than it was in 1958. I submit to you there's a great door that's open to you, and you must keep a stirred heart for the work of God. It's easy to cool off. It's easy to uh, sit in retirement and not be active in the work of God. Here we find Nehemiah's heart was stirred for the work of God. By the way, beloved, notice in the text, Nehemiah waited. He rested for three days before he began this work that was before him. I think it's interesting in Ezra chapter 8 verse 32 that Ezra rested three days before he began the work of revitalization of worship there with the people of God. You know, one of the most spiritual things that you can do is take a nap. You say, Brother Darren, that's not uh, promoting productivity. Well, it's promoting godliness. Because the fact of the matter is it's not promoting laziness, it's pro produ producing and encouraging productivity in your life. If you rest and take care of your health, you can find a greater work that is before you. Sometimes you just need to unplug a little bit and take a nap. It's a spiritual thing. Look at Elijah. God had him to lie down and take a nap. But Nehemiah takes this survey trip, and his eye affects his heart, as Jeremiah describes in his word, and he was stirred up for the work that was before him. And I want to ask you, beloved, is your heart stirred for Tucson? You have 1.2 million reasons to have a stirred heart for this community. I submit to you, beloved, there is a great work that is before you. Stay strong in the work that God's blessed you with in your heart. Not only do we see the heart of a man, but notice, secondly, we see the hand of God. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God that was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. Nehemiah recognized this. He recognized that God's hand was good upon him. My friend, do you realize today that every gift you have is from the hand of Almighty God? From the air in your lungs right now to the clothes on your back, everything you have, it's from God himself. James words it this way, that every good and perfect gift is from above. It was the good hand of God that gave Nehemiah job as a cupbearer. It was the good hand of God that placed him in the palace with the king. It was the good hand of God that gave him confidence and trust with the king. It was the good hand of God that gave him leadership and organizational ability. It was the good hand of God that brought Hananiah, his brother, to him and told him about the great need of the work. It was the good hand of God that opened the heart of the king. It was the good hand of God that gave him a leave of absence. It was the good hand of God that gave him that blank check for provisions and resources. It was the good hand of God that gave him safe passage. It was the good hand of God that gave him courage to stand up to his enemies. 
Beloved, you ought to celebrate the good hand of God in your life. It's the good hand of God that allowed you to be born in this great country. It's the good hand of God that allowed you to hear the gospel and be saved. It's the good hand of God that gave you health to be here today. The good hand of God for you to have the spouse and family that you have. The good hand of God that gives you blessings and provisions. The, the food on your table, food in the pantry, shoes on your feet. God has been good to you. You ought to understand and serve him because of his good hand upon you. It was the good hand of God that touched the Johnson family to come to Tucson, Arizona. It was the good hand of God that brought 28 people that showed up for the first service in July of 1958. It was the good hand of God that six acres were provided on South Columbus Boulevard. It was the good hand of God that touched Akron Baptist Temple to assist this church in building a, a brick building. It was the good hand of God that brought your pastor, Pastor Brent D. Armstrong and his family here in, 29, in 2009. It was the good hand of God that you have seen thousands of people saved through the years. And it's the good hand of God that gives you a bright hope and a bright future for the next generation. We ought to serve God because of the good hand of God. Notice what happens in our text. Nehemiah, his, his heart is stirred. He sees the hand of God on his life. What does he do? He enlists workers. In verse 17 and 18, he goes around and stirs up people. Do you see the distress that we're in? Your pastor is passionate. Your pastoral staff are passionate about you having a ministry in the work. There's an expression that I say around our place, there should be no unemployment in the work of God. Every Christian, that is, every individual that has the Holy Spirit of God inside of them ought to have a ministry by which they use their spiritual gift for the kingdom's sake. We find here that not only did he enlist workers, but he encountered enemies again. Listen, Sambalat and Tobiah they didn't just go away. They were persistent. He uh, again found enemies in chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. He finds criticism. In chapter 4, verse 8, they threatened to kill Nehemiah. Can you believe that? In chapter 5, they found discouragement. He found discouragement. In chapter 6, there was deception and, and uh, false lies that were spoken. In chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, there were false accusations. And do you know how Nehemiah met all those things? He said simply in chapter 6, verse 3, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? You see, the devil gets a victory when he keeps us inactive, when he keeps us idle. God has blessed you with ability and opportunity you ought to serve the King of glory, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And number three, let me just quickly say this. Not only do we see the, the heart of a man and the hand of God, but notice thirdly, a hope for the people. Stay strong in the hope of a people. The Bible says in chapter 2, verse 20 of Nehemiah, Then I answered and said unto them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Your pastor has put forward a number of needs of this ministry, not wants, but needs. And he also said that God will prosper us. And I trust today there's a hope in your heart that you know that 
God will prosper you and the work that he's put forward. The walls sat in ruins for decades, but in just 52 years, the wall was built when every man and woman got on the job and got engaged in their ministry and built a great work for God. By the way, beloved, if you read the text, you'll find that every man and every household built the wall that was right beside their house. You want to build a strong Tucson Baptist church, you work on your own house first. You work on your kids and your family and have a strong wall in your family, and together you can accomplish more in this work for the work of God. If you want to see God move in your life, connect the glory of God to the great need of your life to serve Him. If you want to see God move, connect the need to give Him glory. The Bible says in verse 17, the real motive why Nehemiah was doing this was to remove the reproach that had come upon his holy name. It was the same cause that David had in the Valley of Elah when he looked and he saw this Philistine Goliath defying the name of God. He said, man, who is going to go against this Philistine that's defying our God, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven? My friend, what is the hope for your community? What's the hope for your neighbors, coworkers, friends? I submit to you, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that can change a life. Can I tell you today that I grew up in a Christian home? I grew up with a mom and a dad that knew God, loved God, served God. Although I was religious, I was lost. Although I could tell you the Romans road, I was going to miss heaven by 18 inches from my head to my heart because I had knowledge about God, but I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know, my friend, it was a great day in my life, March 7th, 1999, when I realized that God loved me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I realized God loves me. I, I realized that I was a sinner in need of a savior. You know, one thing we all have in common on this earth is we're all sinners. The very best you can do on your best day, you still fall short. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousness says, all the good things we can do in life are filthy rags in the sight of Almighty God. The Bible says that God, he displayed, he commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. My friend, the, the good news is that while you were a sinner, Jesus Christ loved you and he gave his life for you so that you could have eternal life with him. The Bible words it this way, that if you'll just accept that free gift, that free pardon of sin, he will save your soul today. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth Confession is made known unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it mean to call upon the name of God? Does it mean to take out your iPhone and dial 1-800-HEAVEN? Is that what it means to call upon God? No, it means to pray. There must come a time in your life when you realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you personally pray and receive by faith the gift of eternal life. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God offers you today 
eternal life if you'll by faith trust him as your savior you say man pastor darren i've gone too far i'm going to tell you there's nobody in this room that's gone too far if you'll respond to the holy spirit speaking to you you haven't drunk too much, snorted too much, done overdose too much. There's a God in heaven that will save your soul. You're not too religious to be saved and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And one day, one day, a man tucked his children in bed, read some of the Torah to them and prayed with them in a safe family environment in their home because a man caught vision of a great work that needed to be done. And I submit to you, there's another generation that needs the Lord. It is easy to fuss about our culture and things that are going on. What's the, what's the answer? The answer is Jesus. He's the one that makes a difference. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you to come to him today. In just a moment, we're going to have what we call an invitation. Well, we're going to sing a song, and we invite people to respond. If you don't know him as your Savior, I invite you to respond today. And my wife and I, other folks, pastoral staff will be here. We would love to take the Bible and show you how you could be saved. I want to ask for those that know Christ as their Savior, is your heart stirred or have you cooled off? Are you on fire for God or have you become lukewarm? I'm going to tell you, these are no days. These are no days to sit on the sideline. These are days to be engaged in the good work of God. Maybe you're here today and you're discouraged about the enemies that are all around you. Maybe you're burdened down by your own heart and mind. I want to invite you today to come and find a place to cast your burden upon the Lord and find his great strength in return. Maybe you have some prayer request or some burden. Maybe you want to come today and just thank God for 65 years that God has blessed this good work. Pray that God would help it to continue to move forward.